Hi, folks. Welcome to another edition of The Times, where we're just reconnecting with our food community and talking about these strange times we're living in. Huh, Tom? Oh, brother. One chain uh, change after another. It is pretty crazy out there, but that's not what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about something totally different because you can hear about that stuff all day long. We have one of our favorite callers on the line, Sal, who called us on the regular show and uh, wanted to chat. And so we're just uh, we're going to be talking to people in these shows called The Times and finding out what they're doing in this weird new reality. Hey, Sal. Hey, Marianne. Hey, Tom. How are y'all? Hello there. So, so well, you you said that you enjoyed Tom's. Uh, you said that you enjoyed Tom's um, April Fool, huh? I did. But first, let me just say how much I miss the live show, and uh, as well as y'all's wonderful information and what you add to the culture of New Orleans food scene. I really do miss the callers, especially Steve. Oh, me too. And Steve, I don't know exactly how to, how to distinguish them other than Stephen and Steve. I know Stephen is a former waiter and maybe maitre d at one of the uh, GW Fins, and I know Steve appears to be in the some type of music production business or promotion business, but he's always an interesting caller. I call him the conjugating Steves. I call him the conjugating Steves, Steve and Steven. And he he gets around all of that with the fact that he is uh, blind. Yeah. Steve, Steve, yeah. Yeah, he's mentioned that on the. He's mentioned no that idea. a few times. Yeah. He's okay. That. Well, we didn't mention it just. Well, now. you know what? We miss the callers too, and we miss the live show, and uh, really wish that we were on right now. So do I. I. Have, to, I have to confess, the Penwick Club April Fool's joke got me probably <laughs> a quarter of the way through, and then I started putting two and two together: one that it was April first, and then two that they were going to invite anyone who just called to ask to be invited. Then I was like, no, that's not going to happen. And then as I read read further along, it became clearer and clearer that this was nothing but one of Tom's April food hoaxes. Did you you know about all the others? Uh, Well, I've only been listening regularly for about six years six or seven years okay so yes I've, I've known about the ones where he sends people to various places that don't exist and uh food trucks i think was one of them that certainly was yeah <laughs> well people had to know that was an april food because tom april fool because tom hates food trucks yeah that's Not my preference that, but, the, but the description of that food truck with tables and a pullout and it was it was basically too much for any vehicle to handle yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was great though yeah. it was great. so uh what are you doing in this weird time are you cooking or well, you we're we're doing a lot of cooking um we did pick up some pizza from leonardo's for the kids and a panini for ourselves uh, about a week ago and I think we I treated the kids to some fast food yesterday, and you would have sworn I took them to Disney World. They were just so excited to get out of the neighborhood and out of the house because we've been quarantined within our little realm of uh, our family, really. The kids are only allowed to play with each other, and we have one other family who we are, I guess, quarantined together with. And that's one of my wife's co-workers and uh, their family. So, so we've been getting together with them, which is uh, last weekend we boiled crawfish together and let the kids play badminton and beanbag toss and a few other games in the backyard. So to get out and do a drive through fast food for, with the kids was uh, a treat for them for sure. I kind of like this going back to the basics. Me too, because the Bessics were so much fun uh, compared with the oldies. Because uh, the way you do it now, you can get around reality and uh, just get into Martian speculations <laughs> about uh, who knows what. That is your reality, isn't it, Tom? <laughs> uh, in a way, yeah. That's what uh, a certain 
crunch of people uh, seem to like. Tom, I mean, uh, uh, Sal, um, you, you're not picking out, uh, you're not picking up very much. We have like, I don't know, two or three days a week that we pick up and, um, and like today is a big fish fry day. You know, we normally do, uh, seafood on Fridays of Lent and it, prior to the quarantine we would spend almost every Friday we would go to Mandeville Seafood or Lakeshore Seafood and pick up fresh fillets and I would do them at home make some cocktails and just sit out on the porch after we you know prepared everything and have a cocktail before we started cooking but um, right now and, and I don't I don't I have nothing to complain about, and I'm certainly blessed beyond compare because I'm able to work from home, and I still have a job. But we (laughs) are in a position where we need to prepare for the worst and hope for the best and pray for the best, where it's probably not prudent for us as a family, as as it might be for other people, to patronize the restaurants as much as we would like to. I see. Okay. when we see ourselves clear to do that, we certainly will. In yeah. fact, we have a we have plans to do it next week. We want to do a, a pick up lunch at Keith Young's with the kids mm. one day next week for sure. Okay, so now doing it, it's just not as often as we'd like to. Okay, yeah. Well, it's you know it it's uh, it's a strange thing, and you you just don't know how something's going to translate. But I find that the food that we've been getting has been really good. Certainly has been. And if we're talking about going back to uh, uh, Keith, uh, you, have yep. my, you have my oysters uh, Bienville over there. Uh, well, they're to, probably not doing any. Uh, nobody's, I don't think anybody's doing too much of the baked oyster dishes for to-go. Probably not. I would be curious to see if Drago's is doing it. Uh, the people at Dragos are so resourceful that I'm sure that they have twiddled everything until you'd never be able to know the difference. Uh, they're just that good. Yeah, I'm, I wouldn't you know, be. Tom, I've heard you say, and I agree with you 100%, that food and the dining experience is much better than any takeout could be. But I found that the best takeout options would be soup. And a pizza, because even though the pizza is, may not taste as fresh, it, it, it doesn't lose as much as, say, a fried chicken dinner or a salad that could get soggy from the dressings or whatever. Have you all found the quality of the takeout to be better during the quarantine now than it had been prior to the quarantine? Because that's all they really have to, to offer. Well, Tom has doesn't ever do takeout. The only reason Tom's ever done takeout is because he has to. Uh, my, so we don't have any means of comparison. My thinking about going out to eat is that the pleasure is to land somewhere in a comfortable place where you may well know a few people there and uh, develop new friendships and d- new uh, tastes for different dishes that you didn't have before. So uh, you lose if you do that. Why would you just want to leave it all behind or don't even get it at all? Uh, It just seems like a complete loss. You know what's interesting about this thing to me with the takeout is that, and this was something that Tom would rail against, the takeout situation, but one of the things that the millennial generation has done with dining is they are big into takeout. And I wonder how many people... Like Tom, for example, I know Tom will not go to the dark side. I know that. But I'm just talking about, I wonder how many people are thinking, you know what? This is not such a bad thing to do. And I wonder how the growth of takeout is going to multiply with this. I mean, because, you know, whenever you have a situation like this, you always come out on the other end in a different place, you know? And so I wonder if that's one of the places we're going to come out, where a lot of people it's, are just doing takeout. I think it's going to have. I think it's going to have a split effect in that regard. I think people who find that they enjoy the takeout and the convenience of it are going to continue doing it where they may not have before. But I think that the outgoing extroverts like Tom and I 
are going to be like wild horses out of the starting gates <laughs> at the fairground and just mm. go and sit and camp and enjoy the most in fact i told my wife i said one of the, my bucket list items once this is all over we are doing a eat club dinner i said i've never been to one i've oh, never yeah. met tom and marianne i said it's it's definitely something that is going to happen once this is all said and done and we get through this uh this downturn so to speak in our um you know social lives and Hopefully not economic lives, but that remains to be seen because oh, well, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm faced we'll with see. the issue of uh, being in the energy industry and yeah, yeah. the coronavirus being hit with a double-barrel shotgun. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Well, let's not talk negatively. Let's just say that no, no, when no, it's no, all said and done, club dinner. that's I do, exactly what I'm, yeah. I'm looking looking forward to getting through this and and uh, enjoying a really dining experience not just food from a restaurant but with that being said let's face it we've got to do our part to keep these people in business so that they are there to serve us when we show up to sit and dine in their establishments well that means that we're going to have to do an eat club oh nayel <laughs> let's get on with it immediately we planning oh to do God. one with broussards yes. but Pull out another cork you know, from the bottle of wine yeah, poor, poor Broussards. This is their centennial year, and they had all these great dinners planned, and we were going to do an uh, e-club with them, and now it's like, wow, bummer. I don't know where this came from, but somewhere it landed on my desktop or, or it was some information about the uh, uh, kind of uh, dining that's going to happen as a result of that very restaurant, uh, Broussards. And I, I just flipped through it, a little, and I thought, this is terrific what no, they've got plans they had great plans but you know it's it's unfortunate that it's uh well i don't even want to say when this is supposed to end but it's too bad it's just too bad i, I hope they'll have a couple of dinners at the end of it all you know and so you can come well, to that you know, sal the, the good thing is is that it's happening in the beginning of the year and hopefully by even if it lasts another month or so we've got the next seven months may through december to enjoy that centennial year yeah Tom, i have a question for you that has a little bit to do about food but, right. but not not directly have yeah, you heard about anything it. about uh the, the the manresa retreats where the food is delicious by the way and the the wine is not lacking at the dinners there have uh, you heard anything about well, the uh for one thing, this, th this I know, I know they don't fall under the diocese, but there is no dancing in, at Manresa. <laughs> uh, I've, I'm a, a long-time Manresa. At least, not, at least not touch dancing. Right? Uh, you if, have to dance apart. If all, were to, if yeah. all were to go well, uh, going to Manresa this year would make it 59 times I've been. So this is something, this is, uh, something that I'm... I'm I, that I love. No, not consecutively. Yeah. I think you missed one or two years in there, huh? It, it's possible, yeah. but uh, but uh, I'll tell you this: I have over fifty people that I was that where they were on the same retreat that I was on. Right. My problem is uh, I can't go anymore. Yeah, well, we don't need to get into that. We'll and, see. We'll see. I don't know. I would imagine that it's probably and, and canceled. It's not an argument with the Jesuits. I can yeah. tell you guys. So one thing I know yeah. for sure. Don't get into an argument with the Jesuits. Uh, just <laughs> let you, no, really, they will twist your brain. Uh, and, and they're like attorneys; they're all attorneys. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Definitely brilliant. Okay, Sal, we're gonna wind it up and uh, and say that I, we would love you to call us again. We're gonna get this straight where we can do this live. We're working on it right now, and then and then we'll just. You know, we'll be okay. Well, then. The great thing about it is you can edit out some of the things that I said that you may not want to put on the show, right? No, I edit out Tom. Usually, it's like I, I, I you know, I, I start to edit it, and then I say, "Wait a minute, the old show was live. I'm not bothering to edit this." <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, is Something got to be careful with. To get any of the other uh, the regular callers on. Podcasts. Yes, we're going to be doing that. We have several go. people, like we're going to talk to one in just a few minutes, and uh, we'll probably do three of you in a show. Yes. Wonderful. Well, I didn't even know that. 
if you get to see her, I'm not sure if you will, but one of your regular guest uh, hosts, Allie, please tell her I miss her too. Okay. Uh, my daughter's actually with her right now, picking up some oyster shells for a feature that we're going to do in nomenu.com. So we will do that. We will do that. Yes, we will so get I guess her on. She's part of your quarantine circle. <laughs> well, no, we're, my daughter is not in a, a quarantine circle. She's our driver, she does all the pickup for restaurants. She's keeping restaurants afloat. Yeah. You too, Sal. Nice to talk to you. Same here. Bye-bye. Bye. Nice guy. Yeah. Yeah. Always very. Regulars, the people that we really, really miss from doing the show. And one of them is Ron the Gourmet Waiter. Hey, Ron. Doing Marianne. Hello, Tom. Hi there. (laughs) So what are you cooking? I'll bet you're cooking a lot. I'm cooking quite a bit. I just finished some red beans. Okay. Been uh, passing out meals to some of the neighbors. Uh, I'm a welder also. I didn't know if you knew that. Uh, so I've been welding some barbecue pits. Oh, wow. <laughs> Are they special designed or something? Um, yes. One of them is an Indian pit uh, called <gasps> the Mangal, M-A-N-G-A-L. Oh, wow. So what are you what are you roasting in this man is it mandal or mangal? Both. It's mangal or mangal. Okay. Either, either, either one. Okay. So what they're, are you they're really for skewers more than anything else, but I, I use them as traditional barbecue pits also. I just put a uh, a grill over the top of it and use it as a standard pit, but I do have some stainless skewers and I, I love kebabs. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, so what kind of kebabs have you been doing on them? Do you do a lot of cooking for your neighbors? Because we have other people who call us who talk about, like one of them, uh, uh, Don the Gourmet Neighbor, has been cooking for all of his neighbors in his condominium, and he'll cook and knock on the door and walk away. Mm-hmm. So he's... he's Oh, okay. We won't tell anyone you're doing that. That's kind of normal in New Orleans. Well, it is, but it's, it's uh, you know, it's it's taboo right now. Why? Because of the situation. What, Ron? I like to barbecue, and I have a couple of neighbors that think that they can barbecue. And (laughs) what we've always done is when the volume gets real high, I find myself alone at the pit. So what (laughs) I did is I challenged one of my neighbors, T, to a barbecue cook-off, and we're actually going to do that Saturday night. A throwdown, a Bobby Flay-style throwdown. Exactly. Now, (laughs) I made the rules. The rules are each one of us is going to get two pounds of ground beef, a whole chicken, and some sausage. And you're going to have two hours. Okay. Now, the other rule is, is you can bring up to $15 worth of any food item that you want, and you can bring all of your own little utensils. But we're each going to be on a pit. We have five unbiased judges, and we're gonna we're gonna get it on. It starts at six, and the judging <laughs> will begin promptly at eight o'clock. Okay, so now if the judges are unbiased, who determines that they're unbiased? The food is gonna be brought up. Oh, okay, to the, okay. To the, to the judges, okay. By a runner. Okay. It's, it's gonna be. So it's official. This is know, serious. They're not gonna know who did what. Okay, this is serious. All right, this will be fun. This is interesting. This is going to happen when now? Saturday night, you said? This is Saturday night at 6 o'clock. Okay. Normally when we have a party, there's usually about between 15 and 30 of us. Wow, okay. And what I do is I buy the food, and a friend of mine buys all the booze, so everybody that comes to the party, except for me and my friend, they eat and drink for free. So you can imagine how popular it is. I live in Treme. Uh-huh. Since I work in the quarter, it's really mm. convenient to live in Treme. I can walk to work in about 18 minutes. 18 wow, minutes. Where, where in Treme? Because Tom used to live in Treme, as you know. I was born in Treme. I'm on, I'm on St. Anthony Street. Mm, close enough. Where is that? 
I don't even know where that is. St. Anthony, there's yeah. a couple of places in the same old city. One of them's o- yeah. almost over to well, City Park, and the other one's almost into the quarter. Yeah, that's the one. He lives okay, in. so if you're on Rampart Street, let's say you're over there by the New Orleans Athletic Club in the two or 300 block of Rampart Street, and you take that new streetcar towards uh, Elysian Fields, towards Esplanade. When you cross Esplanade, if you go about three blocks, there's a little grocery store right there on the left. I live a block behind that grocery store. I didn't realize that was called Treme. I didn't. I didn't realize it extended that far. It's named for the man who owned it. Oh yeah. Yeah. What's that? Uh, I don't remember what it was, but I can make something up. It's <laughs> <laughs> so a big, a big landholder, I guess. That sounds like fun. You do a lot of entertaining, don't you? Yes. Yeah. that this new situation, is what I'm calling it, uh, is going to affect the to-go relationship with restaurants. Like, Tom has always been adamantly opposed to that, and and we always ate in a restaurant. But i got to tell you, I've enjoyed this to-go situation and picking up food and putting it on a little table outside on the deck. It's been lovely. So I wonder how, you know, millennials tend to be, to-go kind of people anyway, or delivery people. I wonder, do you think that this is going to explode the delivery avenues for restaurants, or do you think people are just going to be dying to get back to their restaurants? Hmm. I think there's going to be a little bit of both. I tend to be in the Fitzmaurice camp. In other words, what I like to do is I like to go out to eat, or else I will cook at home. I can't tell you the last time I had anything to go. Or, or, fa- or fast food. I, I don't like fast food. I don't like chains. I, I would rather either be in a restaurant or have some friends or relatives over and uh, me, me doing the cooking. I, I do think what it's right gonna, I think it highlights sort of to go. In other words, what I'm saying is I think that it, 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 it's emphasized that to go should be a part of most of these restaurants' businesses. And I think that after this coronavirus scare is over and everything's back to normal, I do think that you're going to see more and more restaurants moving towards delivery services like Waiter or Uber Eats, that that kind of thing. And I think that's a good thing. I I think what it's going to do is it's going to take some of the fast food uh, business away and bring it back to what I call quality restaurants. I don't know if I agree with that so much because I think that places, uh, I think companies like Uber Eats and Waiter, they charge restaurants for delivery, don't they? They make a little money off of it. They, they charge both restaurants and the people that are getting the food delivered. And I've talked to a lot of restaurateurs. I know that one restaurateur was talking about Waiter when Waiter came to visit her and the waiter person was very enthusiastic about the concept of waiter delivery. And, and it was their goal that no one would eat in restaurants, that all food would then be delivered. <laughs> and the woman said, but I like when people come to my restaurant. I want to talk to them. <laughs> there you go. Ed. That's my big complication. Well, it's a very social thing. Restaurants are a very social sure. thing. Who would, who would want to not be with friends you certainly you're not going to walk around and take somebody you really hate with you you know with you well no no but but i think that restaurateurs like restaurateurs who have sold their restaurants or or have changed in some way are saying things like you know what i really miss is just the people interaction sure certainly what i like so i don't know it's going to be real interesting to see what happens at the end of this for sure you know, it occurs to me right now that there, if you ask somebody, uh, you would get kind of a, a, a plus on the side of people who uh, don't like to walk around and, uh, and rest and all of that. But uh, if you analyze where, how long they stay, where they are, and where they're directed, and you wind up with something that is very distinctly ar- around the group 
of people who are in people want to socialize. People want to socialize. Yes, they do. They do. Anyway, Ron, I, I want you to call us next week and tell us how your Saturday event goes. I'm sure you're expecting to win. Uh, I can't wait to see that. The engraving on the trophy has already started. <laughs> I kind of had a feeling you'd say something like that. You sent me a great email today about some things that you wanted to talk about or at least um, some input from a previous show that you listened to on podcasts. So why don't you go ahead and I'll give you that opportunity to do that right now. Okay, well, it was earlier today. I listened to your April Fool's podcast and we I got you with that one it brought, back, <laughs> it brought back some old memories um you know of like for one how i got my chow number yeah uh, tom was giving out chow numbers about eight years ago this was probably the third time i think we've done this at and, least uh, tom was at 10 and mindy was the producer back then and i was born on the 13th and i'm a big fan of a baker's dozen so I called the show and got in line, and when Mindy said, who is it? I said, Mindy, it's me, Ron. I need, I need that number. <laughs> and Mindy, you know, 13, so Mindy put me on hold, and then Tom asked who the next caller was after he had just given out 12, and Mindy says, it's Ron, the gourmet web- website designer, <laughs> which, which I, was, I was back then. So I, I, was, uh, I, I owe a lot of gratitude to Mindy for, for hooking me up with uh, chow number 13. Okay, so chow number 13 belongs to Ron, the gourmet waiter okay so what else you had so you had a a whole list of things on that email yeah there there was a lot that uh y'all brought back one of them was tom's famous april fool's joke and he had a couple of people that literally took the cork under if you know what i mean when he was talking about that restaurant that was at the turnaround on the causeway there were a couple people that were calling up trying to figure out how to get there I, that was my favorite. I did like the one that we put in the newsletter the other day, though. But that was my favorite, the one uh, on the causeway, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And then, uh, I believe his name is Daniel, the gourmet cellist? Yeah, uh-huh. we yes. talked to him. He's, okay. Yeah. yeah. He's we good. Were, you all were talking about bread mm-hmm. and specific, specifically sourdough. Yes. Now, now there's, a, there's a beer that gets its name from that same kind of method and what you do is you, you basically put put all your ingredients together but you don't put any yeast in and when you've got all this water and and grain and everything you actually put it outside like in your garage or something uncovered okay and somehow magically the yeast grows this mold on top Ugh. and it's a it's a serious mold and it, it reminded me of sourdough uh, okay. um yeah. Now, what I said, what I said in my comments were that I, I like to do a lot of other things, and Daniel, the gourmet cellist, was was my inspiration because I make homemade pasta, I make homemade pizza dough. Yesterday, I made flour tortillas. Hmm. I, I love a good flour, and and, and uh, the one he likes is is a double zero flour. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, he does a lot of cooking. When he called us, he was talking about his... That was a big learning lesson for me. I don't make bread, but I do make all of those other items, and I've made plenty of homemade beer. Well, what is double zero flour? Where do you get that? I've never even heard of it. You could probably get that at, like, let's say, Langenstein's. Did you you get it? Oh, you did get it? It's, at it's, before. Ah, okay, yeah, okay. It's easy enough to find. Okay, so what else? You had three or four things on there, I think. Did you? Well, we talked about we talked about the 1984 World's Fair because yeah. you all had mentioned that. Yes. And my contribution was uh, a really great guy that I got the opportunity to work for. His name was Earl Bernhardt. Earl uh, Bernhardt. Earl was a radio man from from um, Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and he and a buddy of his came down to the 84 World's Fair ready to open up a tropical fruity drink establishment that they called Tropical Paradise. Okay. They had a good run at the World's Fair for six months, and then Earl decided that he was going to try his hand at the bar business, and that's when he went on Toulouse Street right off Bourbon. That's where he met his future business partner, Pam Fortner. Ah, okay. So Earl and Pam uh, came up with the idea of the hand grenade. Oh, that uh, started not just a bar business, but uh, a huge French Quarter 
uh, everything is on the on the check uh, kind of a place. Phenom, yeah. They they did Orleans Grapevine, right? Yes, Earl and Pam have been more than generous to the French Quarter and a lot of the festivals and and things of that nature that have been that have been in the quarter. They have really been generous. Now, one of the things that they did about 16, maybe 17 years ago is they bought an old restaurant that had closed down, and they put the Tropical Isle offices above that. This is 720 Orleans Avenue. Uh And the the downstairs had a beautiful marble horse-shaped bar with a beautiful courtyard in the back. So what they did is they put these – they put 10 marble tables inside and then opened up Orleans Grapevine to celebrate wine. They've had a good run with that, too. What was the name of it? Orleans Grapevine. Oh, yeah. yeah. I knew Orleans that already. Grapevine. Now, yeah. now, Earl passed away, obviously, but uh, Pam uh, is, is, is continuing to, to do great. I was a waiter there, and that was one of my first waiter jobs. And, and I told Marianne in the email that that was easily my best and favorite job out of every job that I've had in the restaurant industry. I've, yeah. been, I've done everything from wash dishes to being the, the general manager. Yeah. Yeah, you have been around, that's for sure. Yeah. And the reason why it was fun was because we had so many wines. We had 65 wines by the glass, and then we had over 360 by the bottle. That was right around the time when so, when the, the, the place had caught my attention, and I went there, you know, I... Uh, 10 to 12 times in a half a year, maybe even less than that. And uh, that's where I came with the the wine issue because they really did have a wine collection there, and it was terrific, and the prices were very affordable. And then, then I started drinking lots and lots of wine over there, but uh, who can fault your ideas for that? for that? Yeah, yeah sure. Yeah, we had one little situation over there that backfired on me, and I thought it was kind of funny. We had, a, we had a bartender, and uh, I sold a very expensive bottle of wine one night. It was a $400 bottle of wine. Oh, my goodness. And then we had another another similar bottle that was about 150 And I, I sold and poured the $400 bottle. And then a couple of days later, she told me that she had sold a uh, the 150 So mm. I went over just to go take a look as a waiter. I walked by, and I realized that she had accidentally opened and poured the 400 <gasps> <laughs> wow. So, Oops. so her guests that night uh, had, her, had a real treat. They paid one hundred and fifty dollars oh, for wow. a four hundred dollar bottle of wine. Oh, wow. The worst thing could have been that uh, they couldn't tell the difference. They probably couldn't. Otherwise, they surely would have said something. You know. Yeah, this was a Rioja from Spain. Oh, yum yum. And uh, it was uh, that was a nineteen eighty eight, and that was a nineteen ninety eight. Mm-hmm. And those were the those were the two wines back then. Those those were the Riojas. The '88 was four hundred dollars. The '98 was uh, one hundred and fifty, approximately. Wow. Well, uh, y- you're talking Greek to me. So anyway, <laughs> I want to hear about yeah, your thing I, on Saturday night. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I think on wine. My, my point is, I think there's a sweet spot in wine. I think it goes from about thirty-five dollars a bottle in a restaurant up to about eighty-five a bottle. I think if you spend more than that, as a typical rule in my book, you're wasting your money. If you don't spend at least $35 on the bottle, I think there's a chance that you might be a little dissatisfied with your selection. That's, that makes perfect that's sense. That's a very good and point. It's, and it's very true. All right. So we're going to yeah, say goodbye. Night, yeah. I'll definitely let you know uh, what happens. Yeah, I definitely want you to – we'll arrange another call, and we want to hear your report. And good luck. I'm sure you're going to win. <laughs> His food sounds really good. His food always sounds good. You know, with this kind of uh, uh, people who were in our show, and also on at the right at the other show, uh, yeah, it's it's amazing that we haven't had people a hundred of them in line every time. Yeah, well, there is actually another one. So we're gonna go, Ron, and uh, call uh, call us next week. Uh, We'll arrange that. Okay. Thanks for calling. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye. You You too. Thanks for doing it again. So, Tom, let's go to Michael in California who wants Michael to in California. Who wants to give us a report from these strange times ah, in California. Yeah. Hey, Michael. Both halves Hello, of that. Hello, my friends. How are you? Your, your spans? You. What is it? No, he said my friends. We missed my you. My friends. Oh, okay. We missed you at Crescent City in that old life. 
What? Uh, I know, in the old life. How was it? Did you guys have a good time? It was great. Did we 200, two, two hour wait. It was, oh. yeah. I, I think all this has to say uh, what happened. The w- year before, I had a little problem. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it wasn't too terrible. It was just one of those things, and it could have happened to anybody. It didn't hurt me or anything like that. But after that, the following year, I was thinking, this is going to be hopeless. We're not going to have anybody here. I better be ready for that. Except that they jammed that restaurant, that steakhouse, like I've never seen. It was the biggest crowd we ever had. Uh, People have been telling me, I see, it had to be at least 50 people and somebody else looking at me and saying, 50 people? I think you're more like 200. Well, thank God for it. Oh, yeah. We were on both. No, we we were downstairs. We were downstairs, uh, always downstairs, and um, and it's a good thing that they did that well because boy, it's going to be a drought for a while. <laughs> Could yeah, be, yeah. That's for sure. That's for sure. That's unfortunate. You know, it's uh, it's so sad, especially for such a well, I mean, nation nationwide, right. worldwide, but especially for such a vibrant food city like uh, like New Orleans. I mean, it's just and it was know, and it's um, just a steak yet that's the funny thing it's you go there it's a wonderful place i've always liked it uh but it's basically it's a steak bing the end right good right. night so michael you're in lockdown i know for sure and what's what's happening there have you are you all doing the pickup thing or are you just locked sure. down okay yeah, so a lot of my uh, my clients and friends who are restaurants restaurant owners they, they are all um, not all, but but many of them are trying to figure out the landscape of whether they should do pickup or not, how they're going to do it, how they're going to abbreviate their menu, um, the protocols that they're going to employ, uh, whether it's going to be you know you with your card or you call in with your card information and they key it in, come pick it up or delivery services. So they're kind of you know navigating the landscape. I'm helping them with that. Um, and it certainly is, you know, the, um, you know, the different landscape. Um, Taco Maria, uh, and you know, we've, we've yes, yes. Uh, they uh, adopted uh, for a for time adopted a very cool um, uh, um, um, a menu that they were doing, uh, and it was it was a lot of fun. It was a, really a lot of fun. But unfortunately, they decided to stop. Yeah. They're just going to. And, uh, so, That's what happens uh, a lot. We, we've been keeping this list and people will, you know, they'll say we're closed. Then three days later, they'll say we're open. And then three days later, they'll say we're closed again. <laughs> it's, that's right. It, that's right. And I think that a lot of the chef owners, are, what they're doing, uh, and I'm sure this is the same thing there, what they're doing is they're doing really just to keep their team. Right. Keep the team employed. You know, they're not, they're not going to make a whole money off of off of doing it right uh it keeps everybody together. and as you know the you know the the the, the, the cook uh, uh you know class is is very mercenary and they'll they'll move on to the next uh right. next opportunity if one pops up before uh the, you know the restaurant is open so they got to kind of keep the, the, the team tight yeah um, so that's why that's the main reason why a lot of them are doing it so on that note i'm kind of helping all my all my customers and friends um, and even not friends, <laughs> just uh, people who get referred to me, helping them navigate the whole uh, SBA. New world. SBA. Yeah. Uh-huh. New world. Yeah, he's helping people with the SBA loans because he's in the finance ah. business. So, so, but he's in the eating business for sure. So, uh, what are you doing personally? Have you been doing a lot of takeout, doing more cooking, or what? You know, I'm, I'm trying to mix it up. Um, so what my, what my girlfriend Anise and I will do is we will, uh, usually on, on the weekends, we will pick, kind of make our rounds around our friends uh, to, to whoever's doing uh, uh, takeout that night. So we'll, we'll pick up you know, a meal for two from uh, on the weekends. But at home, I'm doing every meal at home um, pretty much during the week and yeah. so um just trying to just trying to keep uh, keep well stocked on the grocery side of things but that's another uh thing i don't know if this is happening out there but a lot of our restaurants are, are basically turning into grocery stores i know so i know yeah <laughs> so 
So they're saying, okay, you want restaurant quality meat? We I got know. it. Um, you know, rice, shrimp. You want? That's uh, right. You know, whatever you whatever you need, we got it. I um, think it's great. Place your order, we'll have it for you. I think it's so, great. Yeah, we did one today. We're you know we're keeping up with all these lists on nomenu.com, and um. There was the uh, Natco, which is a a meat purveyor. Uh, they are having a sale of raw. We we even have a, a name for it. It's called raw materials. So we had last week. We cooked on the grill, picana from Fogo de Chão. That that okay. unusual meat. So we had that. So yes, I, I that's exactly what's happening here on the big green grill. Yeah. Oh, There's more, like, more and more all the time. Yeah. Yeah. What's it I'm called? Bad. Yeah, I know. And they're, they're making these really, it's called Kudu, Kudu mm-hmm. Grills. Okay. And those are really cool, too. So I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. What I'm, I don't, probably all three. Why not, you know? <laughs> well, if this lasts for a long time, you may need them, you know? <laughs> you know, right? Seriously, seriously. Yeah. Oh, man. So it's, you know, it's, a, it's like, like uh, we were talking about earlier, it's you know, just uncharted waters. In some ways, it's a lot of fun. Um, it is. You know, it is. You, there's, there's some, you know, you know new, new exploration in terms of, uh, in terms of, uh, uh, you know, opening up old, old cookbooks, and you haven't tried this recipe or that recipe. Or- there's there's opportunity everywhere you look. You just have to look, and sometimes you don't even have to look that hard. Okay, here's the big question, Michael: Are you still able to get out and surf at 6 a.m.? Yes, ma'am. Every morning. Oh, you are. You are. Okay. <laughs> mm, wow. 6 a.m. He's in the water. I got surfing. the most amazing wave I've ever in my life. It was fantastic. So. Wow. Um, you know, we're in Orange County, south of south of L.A. L.A. has been their beaches have been completely shut down because they basically can't themselves and, and distance. Mm-hmm. Out here, we're we're not quite as densely mm-hmm. packed, so mm-hmm. people kind of behave themselves on the beach and you know separate six feet or more. Um, and so that's been working out pretty okay. Uh, they have shut down the parking lot, so you have to get kind of creative on where you park. But um, outside of that, everyone's pretty much behaving themselves. Even in the water, everyone's staying six to twelve feet away from each other. So, that's, uh, that's Michael is the only surfer bum that is very gainfully employed that I've ever heard of. <laughs> pretty much. You uh, shout out. Wait, what? I walk that line of, yes. of, uh, of responsible and and. and yes. Bum. Yes. Yes, he does his surfing at 6 a.m. and then is at work and uh, and cranking it out. So he does not live in a hut on the beach, but he does uh, he does get out there early in the morning. That's well, right. okay. So what do you think happens at the end of all this? Do you think that people are going to be uh, doing a lot more takeout as a regular part of their uh, repertoire, or are they going to just rush back into the restaurants when they're open? That's a great question, and, uh, and I, I'm going to answer it in two parts. Here, here's what I, I just had this conversation with someone, one of my clients yesterday. <clears throat> I think that there's going to be, you know, once kind of we're given the, the, the clear story, like, hey, it's okay, okay to go to a restaurant and be around other people again, I think there's going to be a mad rush. Everyone is craving that so badly right now, um, just to be out somewhere uh, and, and having a meal and and, and, and that that experience. I think that that's gonna there's gonna be a big rush. But what I'm what I'm telling my clients is that yeah, it will happen. But you know, say say it's two months from now, three months from now, whatever whatever that green light is given. What I want you to do is project your cash flow and your revenue to be 50% of what it is right now. Um, there's going to be a mad rush. You're going to have a big, big boom. It's going to drop off. People are going to be used to this. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And stuff. Because they have to realize, okay, I'm saving some money here too. Yes, um, they are. Which is not good for my business, but hey, whatever. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I think that that's going to, that there's going to be kind of a combo effect there. Um, and, 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 I, and I think that, um, yes, people will have delivery and maybe even pick up too, but I'm actually, um, I'm actually discouraging most of my, my restaurant clients from using the delivery services because their pricing is so yes. incredibly, yes. 
you know, not only for the restaurant, but also for the, the recipient, the customer. Yes. Um, you know, the fees are outrageous, and that's the only way that a, a $10 salad can turn into a $40 yeah. meal. <laughs> I, know, <laughs> I know, But you know what? You know what's happening here? I don't know if that's happening there, too, but a lot of the people who are um, – using, well, people who are using the delivery service, the delivery is being done by the waiters from restaurants. So they're keeping their people employed and and shaving off those fees, too. Okay, well, that's a good idea. Well, I, don't, I haven't seen that happen out here yet. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're basically, the, the smart ones are saying, hey, just come by and pick it right, up. So right, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and then the, uh, the ones who are delivering are using the services yeah it's going to be interesting because you know with everything you know when one door closes another one opens a lot of these people who are unemployed now could go and get jobs at these delivery services so there's a lot of you know it's just it's just going to be like a reshuffling of the deck everywhere you know what's an interesting phenomenon i don't know if this is happening out there or not but here just before all this it was starting to be a big thing and that is Large commercial um, spaces, and I'm talking. I know what you're gonna say. (laughs) Yeah, like Phantom Kitchens, Phantom Kitchens. Kitchens, Uh yes. They're not open to the public, but they're open for delivery service only. Yeah. Uh, Well, you know, I've heard about them. I've read about them. But I think that's a phenomenon created by the millennial generation where they do get a lot of their food delivered, which is, of course, anathema to Tom. It's a one row. It's one row. One truck um, uh, restaurant. I've heard that. That's a. Well, it's not a food truck. It's a it's it's a it's a an institutional setting of a kitchen. It's and it's called a phantom restaurant or a phantom kitchen. And you just order. And they have no, you, you can't go in and eat, and you just, you pick, it, it's delivered to you. And it's, but this is a new development over the last, what, three, five years, and it's, it's having to do with the way millennials live. And I'm just wondering how many people, like my age, are going to say, well, you know what, I kind of like that myself. Sure, sure. And it, you know, as long as it, I mean, it all comes down to price, right, at the end of the day. Well, you got to have, A, a lot of money to do that, and B, uh, got to be pretty lazy. All right, Michael, the lawnmower means that we're going to say goodbye because we're sitting outside. It's beautiful outside, and uh, and we, we constantly have people mowing the lawn for some reason. This is how they're entertaining themselves, so we're not going to be able to hear you all that well. Your connection's not been great anyway, but we love you, so we, we kept going with it. But... Um, but let's check in again. Let's check in again soon. And thank you very much for being with us. Thank we miss you. you. Thank you. Well, we miss you guys. Love you guys. You guys take care. Okay. All right. I was going to say hug Sanais, but, you know, but you're not supposed to do that. But she's your girlfriend, so I think you can. So, <laughs> all right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye. Bye, you guys. Take care. So I really think it's interesting to see how this whole situation is going to completely reshape the dining out experience. Yeah, that's what I feel. I should say the dining experience because who knows if it's going to be dining out or dining in. It could be. It could go either way. I think I think the the mail it to you at home. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can do that on Amazon already. I think it's uh I think it's fascinating to see how everyone is adapting in their own way. I hear that certain people are doing really great, and then I hear that they've closed the next day. So anyway, I just think it's going to be, and I'm sure that every restaurateur in town is wondering this same thing. What does the other side look like for me? Mm-hmm. 
What does the other sign look like for me? What does the other side of this look like? I, I mean, like in anything else, when there's a major shakeup, some societal shakeup as there has been here, there are winners and losers. And it's it's just going to be really interesting. And I think this will change depending on how long this goes on. It will be interesting to see who remains after this and who goes away. Yep. Well, that would be nice to see. Well, I don't know how nice it would be to see, but it would be different. And we would learn something, uh, not just about food and about wine, but also the pieces of any kind of uh, organization between more than one person. Yeah, people. It's about people. people. Exactly. And I'm particularly, in, particularly interested in that. And I uh, like to see it. Develop. It's a sociological experiment. And usually, when you have sociological experiments of this nature and this size, they are never optional. They are never something you choose. They're always foisted upon you. Yeah, that's the truth. And there's plenty of it to be sold. Uh, so, we will see how that goes. Uh, but also, how all of the people involved uh, will react. Well, I think that uh, you have always been very disdainful of picking up food or having food delivered. And what I find most interesting about this whole phenomenon is the way your restaurants, your preferred restaurants, the Galatoires, the Pelican Clubs, the Broussards, the GW Finns out there, the Brennans, all of those restaurants that are fine dining establishments, all of those restaurants have had to adapt in ways that they probably have never imagined, totally unforeseen ways. And you know what I think is one of the most interesting ones right now? Tell me. I think that uh, Brennan's yep. launched something today. First of all, Brennan's had closed, the, the Ralph Brennan group had all of the restaurants closed at first. And then the um, Ralph's on the Park is open. And Ralph's on the Park has actually been part of this big fish fry thing that's been going on for the last couple of weeks, the gourmet fish fry. But Brennan's today launched a Bananas Foster sort of contest. Mm -hmm. They published their recipe for Bananas Foster. Well, they, that's always been out there. That's not a secret. Yeah, and they encouraged people to make it at home and then send pictures and write <laughs> stories about their experience doing it. So That's it's ridiculous. It, no, I think it's wonderful oh, because what it's doing is keeping Brennan's engaged with their dining public, and I think it's great. And I think all of these people have. It's been fun to watch the different restaurateurs adapt to this situation in different ways. Mm -hmm. One of the fun ones was G.W. Finn's. And it's they so much. it's such a good restaurant. It, it a is. one of a kind too. It absolutely is. And they were they were really in the game just punching away and they had new fun stuff every day. And you could drive up and get their biscuit dough for five bucks in curbside pickup. And then they closed. Mm -hmm. And of that big fish fry that was going on just last week, there were six restaurants. Uh, the Link Group closed, so that knocked out one of them. Station you know, I, I find that hard to imagine that the, the Link Group has closed. The people, I think, who have closed. It, it, to me, I'm, I'm a, like I said, I'm a closet sociologist, but I'm just fascinated to watch who's closing and who's opening and who's doing well and who's not doing well. And I would say that the... Uh, the places that are closing are closing for, quote, health reasons. And that either means their employees are afraid to come to work, mm -hmm. they're afraid to come to work, mm -hmm. or they've bought into the media hype about everything. Well, and then there are the people who are just basic people who need to put food on their table and their employees do too, and they're just doing it. Well, uh, one of the 
Oh, never mind. I, I had a nice little thing to tell you, and then it just flopped on. You know, actually, this is something, uh, actually something totally different. There is uh, a, a feeling among those people, uh, particularly the ones that opened early on uh, Shogun, and not Shogun. What's the name of that one? The original one was what? Shodar. Something. Shogun, as in the. No. I don't. I don't know. Anyway, go ahead. Well, anyway, they uh, from the very beginning they were they seemed to be more interested in giving food and wine and and the things that you go to a restaurant for uh, to all of these people sitting around and if they didn't get the food as a result of that, well, who cares? I mean, they had a, a lot of their restaurants struck me as like not involved at all. You mean in this situation? Yeah. Or in in anything, it, it, that whole if if it's true that that whole group of uh, link the link group yeah the link group was very busy they were they were very busy I thought it was really interesting what Michael was saying about Michael the last caller was saying about his restaurant clients who he's a financial advisor so he was saying that you to the restaurants that when the green light is given, everyone's going to rush through the doors to get their old life back. And after a little bit of time, they're going to remember how much they also enjoyed cooking at home and that their revenues are going to go down as a result. I really think it's just going to be so interesting to see how many restaurants we really do need after this is all said and done. Mm how much more people are going to want to go back to cooking at home and how that affects the whole economic makeup of the whole dining out world. Yeah, that's a, uh, quite a question. Yeah. I, well, I mean, it, no one knows the answer. We're going to see it on the other end. But, but I think that he, what he mentioned about how restaurants are becoming purveyors of raw materials is telling in itself. Mm -hmm. You know, when you can go to a Fogo de Champ, pick up a particular kind of meat that they serve there when they're serving it, but they're not serving it, so you can go pick it up raw and cook it yourself. Yeah, there you go. Well, yeah, I think it's going to be. That doesn't, uh, not a drop of hospitality. I think I think uh, it's gonna well like this going back to the fish fry. I mean, after <laughs> we're doing our part, I just want everyone to know that we're doing our part. Uh, we have uh, Mary Lee picking up some fish fry plates across the lake, and then you and I are gonna go pick up two separate fish fry plates for a fish fry bonanza this evening here at the Fitzmorris household. Hmm. What do you know? I didn't even know that. Yeah. So after after we're done with our broadcast here, we're going to um, make the rounds and compare the fish fry opportunities. Oh, yeah. Well, it is Friday. It is Lent. It is New Orleans. That means a fish fry. What I was saying about the fish fries, (laughs) which is, again, another thing to consider at the end of all this up until this event, it was the particular domain of Catholic parishes to have amateur fish fries where the Knights of Columbus or the Men's Club, these are long-standing Catholic traditions or the Boy Scouts or, you know, somebody like that would go to the cafeteria at the particular school and on Fridays they would crank out a lot of fried fish, mediocre, you know, mediocre, and people would drive through or they'd pick it up and it was $5 a plate. Now it's like $10 a plate. And then a couple of weeks ago, the big guns got into this game and now it's all about the gourmet fish fry. So what happens at the end of this for the poor Catholic schools next year, are is the gourmet fish fry going to be something that's going to be in competition with the amateurs? Because that puts the amateurs out of business. I mean, if you can get the kind of gourmet fish fry that we're going to get for $13 tonight at Oxlot 9, and oh, you... Going there, no, no wonder what that was on my 
Yeah, so we're going to go to Oxlot 9 tonight and pick up really fabulous fried fish and white remoulade sauce and, I guess, fresh-cut fries. Or you can go to Our Lady of the Lake and pick up for $10 something far beneath that in quality. What's going to happen to the poor Catholic school fish fries after this? Oh, somebody will get them. Somebody will love them. You really think so? Yeah, sure. Well, maybe, you know, maybe those people won't even know that the gourmet fish fries are going on. Maybe we just know that they're going on because that's what we do. I don't know. But anyway, there's going to be a lot of changes for sure on the other end of this, as there always is from some cataclysmic event. Funny, isn't it? Um, I, I don't know about funny, but it's certainly interesting. Yeah. And that concludes another episode of The Times. If you would like to talk to us, send Tom an email at tom at nomenu.com and we'll call you and set it up. Have a good evening, everyone. When are we doing this?